One team, one plan, one fee. That's how we roll. And we are going to roll for 60 minutes on this show. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Good stuff on the way in the next hour. Hear the difference. We often say know the difference. Hear the difference is when a client will share their Annex experience. That's on the way. Ask Annex with great questions. One of my favorites might not even be a question, is is just a comment. And somebody is commenting about life after retirement. Great divorce. Got an update on that from Deanne Phillips. Stick around for that. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our chief investment officer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano, our president and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And folks, uh, we had another great week. Lots of green on Friday afternoon. And Derek, since this rally has started, we've been up significantly. And all I would say is, Who'd have thunk? Right. We're up about 12% from the lows we made just a month ago. I will point out that fear and greed index, which was below 20 at that time, is now approaching the August highs at 61. So clearly a lot of improvement in, in terms of sentiment and price appreciation. And that's despite the fact that we still expect the Fed to hike the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points next week. Yeah, we did see a PCE report on Friday morning. And PCE is personal consumption expenditures. And it's really the favorite number of the Fed. They look at that and that number uh, came in at 6.1% on an annualized basis. And, you know, they want to get that number down. Of course, the core rate up 5.1%. That's the third straight raise in the core rate. So it's not really cooling, which, as you said, Derek, really means that we're going to have a 75 basis point hike here in the first week of November, right before the election, and likely one after that. So we'll have to watch what they say after the report. But, of course, it is not cooling because a big part of what's continues to go up is the wage reports. And we saw a wage report that came out Friday morning, which showed that earnings continue to go up. They do, but they are going up at a slower pace, which is something that Chairman Powell mentioned that he was going to track, because one of the things they're trying to do is curb demand, which is leading to inflation. And as you see wage growth start to dissipate a little bit and quit rates start to dissipate a little bit, that will give the Fed the opportunity to perhaps uh, raise rates at a much slower pace going forward, which is something we also expect to hear about uh, next week as well. And so we see the PCE report going up. We saw U.S. wages went up as well. They went up four-tenths in personal income. But, of course, spending went up six-tenths, which leads me to the idea that we continue to grow. The GDP report, which came out at 2.6%, we found it very interesting because a big chunk of that 2.6% came from a falling trade deficit. Right. We had substantial exports overseas, and that's what what led to most of the increase. When you actually look at domestic purchasers, though, which is really a better measure of underlying economic demand, it only increased at a 0.1% rate. So perversely, while we did see a positive number this time versus two negative reports, in the past two quarters, uh, the economy actually is a little bit softer than it was then when people were concerned that we were in a recession. Right. As we go into 2023, all signs are pointing to a dramatic slowdown in 2023. But of course, folks, the markets look ahead two, three, four quarters and sometimes years out. And that's why we're watching these earnings reports that are starting to come out. We saw some blowout reports from energy companies and not so good out of tech. Right. We the Most of the FANG stocks have actually missed expectations expectations. Amazon um, lowered guidance for the fourth quarter, a very poor result there. We heard horrible results from Meta, the formerly known as Facebook. Apple, however, did beat on earnings and revenues. And also, you know, their iPhone sales were a little bit light, but they attributed that to supply chain constraints. So Apple, the biggest market cap company in the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, was up sharply on Friday. And you did uh, call everyone's attention to that over the last couple of weeks, saying that there is an overweight
weight to those tech companies in the S&P 500. So if there's a correction, it could pull down the index while the underlying performance of other stocks are doing better. Right. We've noted that equal weighted indexes are vastly outperforming market cap weighted index. We've also talked about how, you know, in our portfolios, we've been tilted towards smaller cap stocks because we believe, A, they don't get affected by the dollar strength trying to sell things overseas, and B, they're pure plays and more nimble. So to the degree that you're buying small cap companies that make money, it makes a lot of sense to us that they should continue to outperform the S&P 500. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano was our President and CEO. Got them for the whole hour. If we can help for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it using the power of the Annex Wealth Management team. You've heard lots of those teammates over the years here on this radio show. Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Startup button. We can review available on demand this weekend on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, in the Axiom, and on Spotify at the top of the hour. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, October 29th. Going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We're back. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer in the studio. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. You know, Derek, I just can't imagine that you would wear these disco clothes and and disco pants and disco shoes. But uh, I think back to 1976, and a lot of the disco music was going very well. And, of course, the Wings were just out. Paul McCartney, Silly Little Love Song. What else was happening in 1976? Well, I graduated from high school that year, actually. But what also happened in 1976 is we had a very strong rally in, in the stock market. And this month has actually eclipsed that. This is the best month for stocks since 1976. So a, really a dramatic rebound. Another thing that is interesting always about October is that's when mutual funds have to realize gains and losses for their for tax purposes. So there was probably a fair amount of uh, loss taking throughout the month of October, which may explain why we closed the, the month's so strong that a lot of these beaten down stocks just simply are bouncing. And so, you know, we talk about sectors a lot. And of course, you mentioned in the last segment that we're seeing a lot of rotation out of technology. And of course, the big name stocks overweight the indices by a dramatic portion. But the sector that is the most underrepresented is energy. And in fact, you told me something the other day that there's one ETF that buys emerging tech companies that has a market cap greater than the entire energy sector. Right. The market cap of Apple is greater than the, the market cap of all the energy stocks in the S&P 500 combined. And the other thing that's amazing to me is right now you have 90 analyst buys on Google and, and Facebook, both of which had pretty lousy quarters. You had only 31 buys on Chevron and ExxonMobil, the two largest components of XLE, the, the energy spider. So again, an under-owned area, something that ESG people scoff at, but has certainly performed extremely well so far in 2022. And not just those two mammoth names, but there's a whole lot of other energy stocks that are having really, really good performance. We certainly highlighted those sectors, but those things are going to continue to go as we look into the rest of the year. But it brings me back to this GDP report as well that there is an underperformance of energy in this country. And of course, there is a release of the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and that did help some of the exports to help the falling trade deficit. So it's going to continue to happen, folks. And it looks like energy is, continues to be in a good sector, despite the fact that it's underweighted. But the rest of the earnings season that we've seen so far has been pretty good on balance. Yeah, I think it's basically been better than fear, just like last quarter. Right now, 253 of the companies in the S&P 500 
500 have reported. 70% of them have beaten on earnings. 66 have beaten on revenues, with the average sales beat 1.15%, which is not quite the beat rates we've seen in the past several quarters. So things are getting a little bit more difficult as you know as the economy slows and companies are forced to take means to address uh, slowing demand. The other thing I want to point out: pending home sales came out on Friday. It was down 10% in September and 31% on a year-on-year basis. So clearly, these higher mortgage rates and the lack of housing affordability are having an effect. And a lot of the numbers that we're seeing this quarter were as of the end of September. October certainly wasn't as strong a month as September, and that would perhaps cause one to revisit what what it looks like for earnings estimates in the fourth quarter. And so you talk about you know these prices coming down. You're talking about a slowing PCE. They could mean that the Fed's actions are really starting to kick in. Now, we all know that they have a lagging effect, but it certainly appears by the middle of next year that these dramatic and significant rate raises will certainly have an effect on the economy. And and historically, the Fed hasn't stopped raising the Fed funds rate until it was higher than the CPI. And the last CPI was 8%. If the Fed raises rates 75 basis points, that gets us around four. So there's still a gap. And the, the hope is that while the Fed funds rate may increase in the next couple of months a little bit, that that CPI number will start to get more towards the five level. So if all of this makes sense to you and you're, you're not on the same page with some of these sectors, some of these overweighting, some of these portfolio allocations, we invite you to go to our site, sign up. You can get your appointment right online and come in and go through this process. And not only do we do a portfolio review and an assessment of what you have, but we give you a framework for a financial plan. The financial plan is the roadmap. Nicely said. Dave Spano, President and CEO, Derek Felsky, we've got them for the rest of the hour. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We always say know the difference. Up next, Annex Wealth Management clients share their story so you can hear the difference. That's up next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? This segment is so you can hear the difference. From time to time, we invite clients to share their experience with Annex, and hopefully as you hear them, you're going to notice that every single case is different because our clients' situations are different. It's not one size fits all. Let's welcome John and Valerie. Hey, Valerie. Hello. And hey, John. Hello. Let's get the official stuff out of the way. You are clients of Annex Wealth Management. Yes. Yes. Annex is not providing any type of compensation for your time on this segment. Correct. Does the water count toward the water? It? Okay. <laughs> no, the water is complimentary. <laughs> no, I didn't. And there are no conflicts of interest between you as a client and Annex as a firm. Right. Correct. Now, in your case, John and Valerie, you are still at the daily grind, still working but planning for retirement with an eye on retiring somewhat sooner than later. Sooner for you. Sooner for me, yes. I hope to retire in the next couple of years if want to cut the cord and enjoy life afterwards. Great. And then, Valerie, how about you? Um, I think it's going to be a few more years after John. We'll let him get used to retirement. John, you're at a major university working as an administrator. And before that, you had a long career with the American Cancer Society. What was it that stirred within you that made you feel an early retirement was what you wanted to do? My dad uh, died four months after he retired. And when you work your whole life and have nothing to show for it as far as enjoying it, that had a a major impact on me, that I wanted to work and plan so I could have a life after work. As much as I enjoy my work, I want something more. 
As you get older, you start seeing your vulnerability, and so you start thinking about it more. And at the um, point that I'd been in the workforce for 30 years, at some point you have to plan for the life afterwards. And then I started thinking how my dad got to a point that he never got to enjoy that. I really started zeroing in on just, are we ready for it? Can we be ready for it? So I would say probably in my 50s, I really started to put a lot of thought and process toward how are we going to be ready to do that. How about you, Valerie? You actually were in the finance world before following your heart, and you made a career switch. What was that story? Well, after working about 16 years in the financial services field, I had the opportunity to get into education, which is something that I had thought I wanted to do when I was in college. And I saw how hard my parents worked as educators, and I thought, maybe I don't want to be an educator. And then when I did have the opportunity, when I was a little bit more mature, I made the right decision because I really love teaching. And talk about a lifetime learner. You're pursuing another degree. Uh, That's correct. I'm really close to earning my master's in um, mathematics for secondary teachers. John, sounds like you did a fair amount of research when selecting a partner for investment and retirement planning. What was your process? When we had our original financial planner, it was very evident that it was transaction-based, that there was a, a value for them to, to sell something to us, and then they perceived it as a benefit for us. When I got to the point that I felt like we weren't in a situation of being part of the team, being part of the discussion, I felt it was time to research it because I know what I don't know, and I don't know financial planning well enough to be confident enough to set ourselves up for it. So I tend to do a lot more of the research in that kind of area. I think my wife would agree. With that said, I researched about three or four different financial planners and locked them very quickly on fiduciary. I had interviews with two of the ones that I think aligned best with us. And real quickly, the amount of time and attention given to me by Annex Wealth Management made it real easy to go with them. What's it like when that moment arrives when it's you kind of know that you could retire? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I mean, it was a conversation that our financial planner had a number of times with us that I said, I want to retire by 55 and have enough money to enjoy life with it. He went over the numbers and said, you're right on track. And I tell you, what that was very liberating to know that we were set to do what we wanted to do this stuff can be complex without a team you went through that portfolio analysis Mm -hmm. the financial plan have you ventured into tax and estate planning with annex yes as a matter of fact uh, we do our tax planning with annex we found that marvelous because just about six months ago we needed to research some funds for an investment that we want to do on some property and we needed to understand the impact of our taxes well instead of having two different institutions try to talk and understand each other we had the tax planner and our financial planner together in the same room that went over the work, understood the impact, and what we could do. The great thing about that is it wouldn't affect our taxes, and it didn't affect our financial plan either. This is a Hear the Difference segment of conversation with some clients of Annex Wealth Management who are sharing their journey. Valerie, from what I understand, John is going to hang it up a little sooner than you. How is he going to be in retirement? I think that John will be a little bit stir-crazy at first to try to figure out how to fill his days, although he has many activities that he's involved in. So with between running and taking care of some investment property and looking at other investment property, I think he'll fill the days pretty well, although I'm hoping that he'll maybe take some cooking classes (laughs) and have some meals prepped for me when I come home from school. (laughs) Amen. John, how about Valerie when she eventually joins you? How do you guys, how do you see retirement as a couple? Well, one of the biggest things that we talked about for our future is that we've never been able to travel as much as I think we both want to. And so that would be a big part of our, our retirement. In our planning, 
we made sure that there was a significant amount of funds to be able to do that. And so part of our plan is to make sure that um, the money is there to do the things that we wanted to retire and probably take a cooking class. <laughs> In Italy. In okay. Italy. Yeah, Perfect. Yes. John, you recommended Annex to several friends, and yeah. we appreciate that. Yeah. Do you find some of your peers might struggle to make decisions about financial planning? You know, it's so funny because Valerie and I both, in conversations with friends who are all the same age and looking to retirement, you know, we talk about what we're all doing for planning. And we've had some friends, and they're still friends, that have kind of struggled with trying to figure out, are they ready to do it? And in doing so, we just told them, hey, we've got this great partnership with Annex. They've done a great job and suggested them. And in both situations, they've worked with Annex. They're both right on track for their retirement plans. They didn't know that beforehand. And so I think they have that same kind of liberating feeling to know that, hey, we're where we need to be. Valerie and John, it is a pleasure talking with you on your way to retirement on your terms. Thank you for being clients and best of you in the days and years ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Let's talk about locations because we like to make it easy to meet. We're in Elm Grove, Lake Country, Mequon, Appleton. We're downtown Milwaukee, right inside the Fister, in Madison, Naples, Florida, and Libertyville, Illinois, or as close as your computer at AnnexWealth.com. Time for the news, bottom of the hour. And for that, let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Time for Ask Annex. Head to our website if you got a question. It's AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. Everybody gets an answer. Some wind up on the radio. Some are named. Others are anonymous. Pretty much how we play the game. Yep. Randy Winkler is joining us, CFP and Wealth Manager. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. Sarah Kyle's back. She's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Danny. Here we go. Our first one is from Nancy. My employer 401k matches 5% of my contribution. If I want to save 15% of my income, where can the other 10% go? Well, Nancy, how much you contribute isn't dictated by the employer match. So you can contribute the maximum amount allowed into your 401k no matter what the match is. But in order to get the match, you might have to put in a minimum of 5%. So if you want to contribute 15%, you should put in 10% and then the company matches 5%. That'll get you to the 15%. Yeah, and I don't like rules of thumb, but there's one that I do generally like to tell people. If when you get a raise, put part of it in your 401k. So let's say you get an annual raise of 3%, up your 401k by 1%. Do that every year. Your cash flow goes up. You don't even realize it. And I've seen people up their 401k contribution to over 20% by just doing that on a regular basis. Would there be a reason to get the match and then divert funds elsewhere to maybe like an IRA or a Roth IRA? It could be. You'd have to take a look at your individual situation because maybe you want to fund an HSA because it's a very flexible type of account. So maybe you go over there and then you come back and put it in the 401k or maybe you're trying to get some tax equilibrium and and a Roth IRA makes sense. So it'd be good to take a look at that. There is not a one size fits all for everyone. Question two on Ask Annex is anonymous. I'm 62 and probably four years of retirement with a substantial nest egg. I need about $5,000 for an unexpected expense. My choices are either from my home's equity or my Roth IRA. Any opinion? These are both good options, but I'd ask a couple of questions before picking. If you're taking it from the Roth IRA, has the money been in there for at least five years, the first contribution? Because you don't want to have the penalty associated with that. And I would also say, take a look at where the market is at that time. Like right now, maybe it's not a great time to take it out, but you could probably find something within that 401k based on the size that's not down. The home equity line of credit I like as well, but keep in mind in a rising interest rate environment, that could become more expensive money over time. But I think even some sort of a combination, maybe you do the home equity 
equity line of credit now, and when the Roth recovers, take it out of the Roth and pay off the home equity line of credit. Yeah, and a lot of banks and credit unions offer an introductory rate that first year, so they'll lock you in at a, a lower rate. You know, maybe do that for the first year, and then if the market recovers by the end of that year, you can pay it off. And he said he's four years away from retirement, so when he gets to retirement, he's going to be in a lower tax bracket in theory, so then he has another bucket he could draw it from, an IRA or a 401k. This one's from JC on Ask Annex. I'm the primary breadwinner in our household. Does that limit what can be contributed to my spouse's IRA? Meaning, do those funds necessarily have to come from wages? JC, no. As long as you're working and you file a joint federal income tax return, your non-working spouse can contribute to their own traditional or Roth IRA. And she can contribute as much to that IRA as the wage earner does. It's Ask Annex. Got a question? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. This one's anonymous. Thanks for the show. This is really a comment, not a question. Please advise everyone to carefully research their, quote, retirement life before pulling the ripcord. I did not and found myself incredibly bored and increasingly depressed. I went back to work. Retirement is more than cleaning out your garage and visiting libraries. Randy, this is something you talk about. It's one of the, I think, most disappointing things about my job, and I know a lot of people here, where you do a really good job to get somebody to retirement. They've successfully retired, and then they go into it, and they find it to be unfulfilling. So to, I like to discuss ahead of time and give clients homework to think about what does that look like. There's something called the pyramid of financial success. There's four levels. The bottom level is money management, and we do that. The next level up is attainment of goals, and we do that. Next level up is peace of mind. We strive to help with that. The top level is fulfillment. We don't really have all of the tools for that. That is going to be more of an interactive discussion between Mm -hmm. the husband and wife and what does this look like. But don't think of it as a date and dollar amount. It's going to be a portion of your life that you need to have a plan for, not just financial. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So many people strive for that dollar number. Like when I reach this amount, I can retire. You know, the media doesn't um, promote the emotional side of retirement. Which is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. You guys are ways away. Have you guys figured out your thing that you would want in retirement? I'm I'm still looking for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I have an idea, but, you know, nothing set in stone. Yeah, me neither. And so, therefore, keep going. Exactly. <laughs> right? Keep going. That is Ask Annex. Folks, if you got a question for us, you head to our website. We're always open. Everybody gets an answer. There's no pressure at all. Throw in anything. Oh, and by the way, you don't have to be a client for that, right? Again, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button if we can help. Otherwise, look for the Ask button. Randy Winkler, CFP and a Wealth Manager. Thank you. Sure, Danny. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You bet. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP and a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst is here. Welcome back. Hi, Danny. We've covered the topic of the gray divorce previously, and I wish we didn't have to, but let's do it again. Mm. We'll start at the top with a definition. Sure. So gray divorce is categorically those over the age of 50 years old. Over 60, they're referred to as silver splitters. While the divorce rate may statistically be going down, this particular demographic is on the rise, with over 25% of divorces being over the age of 50. Financially draining, emotionally harrowing, just Uh plain messy. Did it get better or worse during the pandemic? Well, the pandemic skewed a lot of numbers in the economy, and divorce was also one of them. We actually saw the rate of marriages and divorces drop by 12 percent in 20 and 21. But we're going to have to see how the numbers come up now coming out of COVID when the courts are flowing a little bit better and quicker. Sure. You know, we tend to think of retirement as a time of golden years together, but 
that isn't the case with the gray divorce. And one of the reasons couples divorce is retirement. Weird, right? They hit mm. retirement and find incompatibility, conflict. I know that during our discussion with clients and on our radio shows, we walk people through discussing expectations. You bet, because since older couples have potentially accumulated a more complex estate, the separation of assets does become trickier. This can even make it more difficult for someone on the cusp of retiring. Many times the financial duties are shared in a household couple. One will take care of the bill playing, the other will take care of the investments, and statistically, the women are the ones who don't understand their investments. They feel undereducated when it comes to their finances. And, you know, you add to that the emotional trauma around divorce, the gender gap wage and women's longevity, and this can all become a formula for financial distress. Now, let's face it, a lot of times you're going through it, you just want to get it over with, and that can lead to concessions that are later regretted, such as compounding expense issues, maybe by wanting to keep the family home when they can't financially afford it after divorce, or not even a good understanding of what their investments truly are, or their income stream is even going into the divorce, much less coming out of it. So it's important to understand the process of divorce, yes, but it's really important to have a good understanding of your inflows and outflows, both as a couple and after the divorce is finalized. If you're heading that way, and if it's inevitable, do you wait until the dust is settled or do you bolster up and get a financial plan going into it? Oh, I think you need to understand going into it. That's why a financial planner or certified divorce financial analyst can assist in laying out the financials and showing, again, the expense and income both before and after. The picture after becomes really important. And, you know, again, around the decisions of their biggest expense, which usually is their house, can I keep the house, becomes an important question there. And then what will I do for income after? So including social security options. So these are all things that need to be looked at. It's probably a thing for our estate planning team, but and it's all the estate plans oh, would yeah. need to be redone. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. Sure, sure. Beneficiary designations, all of that. Deanne, as a CDFA, a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, you've walked clients through this quite a bit. What have you learned over the years in regard to at least the, the steps to take? Well, here are some basic steps to sidestep some common divorce issues. First off, yeah, have a copy of all your financial records as soon as you can going into this. And we're talking about bank records, tax returns, pensions, investment statements, pay stubs, any employment agreements or contracts, any awards like options through a company, and have a copy of your debts, loans, mortgages, bills. This can really save a lot of time and money of not having to potentially go through an expensive recovery process. And that's a legal process later when it comes to revealing income, assets, debts, and analyzing them. And you'll have to file all of this in the court anyway. Also, you should have an understanding, I mentioned before, of your Social Security benefits. If you were married for over 10 years and not remarried, you're entitled to half your spouse's benefit or 100% of yours, whatever's higher. And by the way, it does not take anything away from your ex doesn't matter if they remarry. This will not impact their benefit. And so it's not a negotiable asset in a divorce negotiation. You want to ensure the continuation of your own income. So if you're being awarded any kind of spousal support, be sure there's a disability insurance policy in place if the payer is still working or life insurance policy, right? So if something happens to them, you'll get continuation of payments, or at least you'll get what's due to you per the marital settlement agreement. It sounds super complex. Who walks with somebody on this? You know, if you come to Annex, we do have myself as a certified divorce financial analyst and CPAs and financial planners 
planners who are wealth managers who can sit and do some projections. We can take a look at where you currently are and where you may end up. Deanne, any last thoughts? Yeah. Finally, even if people are going through uh, the divorce themselves, it's called pro se, and they feel they have an amicable enough relationship to do it with a mediator, we always recommend using an attorney or you know, having someone advocate for you. There are so many considerations and having the right team at the time to ensure that you not only financially and emotionally survive the process, but helping you understand you could actually thrive after is so important. We walk through all of it, folks. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, talking about the gray divorce. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We'll be right back on 620 WTMJ. We are back. Quick reminder, you can head to our website, sign up for the Axiom, which is a free weekly newsletter. That is free to everybody. Don't have to be a client. We're on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube with a really good YouTube channel with over 1,500 videos that we produce. You can search within those. Maybe you got a question about RMDs or taxes, stuff like that that's just that easy on YouTube. SWAT podcast is fairly new. We put that out on Monday morning. We have a lot of people involved in our investment team. They get down and they talk about the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats that they're seeing and that they anticipate. And just a reminder, this show is available on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. This show really is our chance to kind of sing for our supper, I guess, right? It, it Dave, it demonstrates a lot of the way we think, but ultimately we would like to partner with people in order to help. And a lot of people might be listening to the show and they're like, I don't know, it just sounds complicated to kind of get this whole thing going. A lot of times I will call it the process. And sometimes I feel bad about that word because it sounds like cumbersome, right? right? Well, you know, I'll tell you, Danny, there's a lot of people who do listen to the show uh, not only financial professionals, but others, you know, people that were trying to help. And I get a lot of anecdotal feedback. But one of the things that I that I do get back is, how do I get started? And, and I, you know, we put a get started button on, but maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a, a way to interact with someone that, that we're not thinking of. But if this is a process that makes sense, and I liked your word process, go through it because we give everyone who comes through two deliverables or two things, right? And those are a second review of what you own. That's number one. And number two, this path, this plan, this financial plan, and this is the framework. It's obviously an ongoing process. It's the it's the flywheel, yeah. right? And so, yes, this is where we are. Let's take a review. Let's make some adjustments. Let's look at it again. That's the flywheel. I wonder sometimes if people hear that, you know, click the get started button and they picture this door opening and a hose coming out and just, you know, sucking all in their information. Right. And right. really, that's just a way for us to learn more about you. And, and, to, and to start the conversation. Right. 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 Okay. So Dave Spano reached out and yeah. he is this age group and this is his investable asset range. This is the branch he'd like to meet at. That just begins the process of us beginning to learn about you, you learning about us. Right. And, and once that process starts and, and that makes sense to you and you go, you know what, honey, I think we should get another look at this. Then you can set something up. You know, obviously the calendars are right on the computer. Now, what I like talking to you about, Danny, is you actually went through it. Now, I did. You know, we, uh, you know, we've been doing the show coming up oh. 20 years. You've been doing radio for a lot longer than that. But you know, th- now, now that you've gone through the process, it's really a different perspective. I can tell you, you can you can describe the Grand Canyon, but I think until you stand there and Correct. experience it, really. <laughs> 
until my wife and I went through... I just the, think of Chevy Chase. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's another show. Uh, until you go through it, um, you really don't know. And, and so we had shared our statements so everybody knew what our accounts were. And I had gone through that before just to see where the overlap was. But then when we sat down with a wealth manager and... What I really liked about it was is he didn't start on the X's and O's of the financial statements. He really talked about, okay, here's where you're at, Danny. Here's where you're at, Suzanne. Here's where, if you want, this is what you could do. Here's another option. Here's another option. And the software that we have, I've never seen it. Amazing. Talk about know the difference a lot. And really, it. I looked around the room the other day and the amount of talent that we have assembled. You know, people go, well, I got a guy. I got a gal. I have an investment person right? But there is a difference and that is what I keep pounding the table about. You know, we have PhDs and estate planning lawyers and CPAs and master's degrees and all of this you get availed to you when you go through this. It's just not one guy, right? With an investment idea that maybe we should buy a company right now. Well, we talked about the SWAT podcast earlier and I was talking about our investment team. You and Derek and Mark Beck is on once in a while. Todd Boyd is on. It's way deeper than that. Right, for sure. And that's the reason why when we talk about know the difference. That's what I, folks, that's what I want you to take away from here is the depth of the team, the talent, the technology, of course, of the team. All of those three things is what you get. And of course, there is a fee that we charge a fee. If you become a client and that's what people go, what's this going to cost me? Well, we charge a percentage of the assets uh, that we manage, but you get all these ancillary services and that's what separates us. Even if the fees were the same between us and a brokerage firm, do they provide all of the deep plan the deep tax plan, the estate planning work, that is the question and that is the difference. Well, it gets down into value. And we've talked about that, the value of an advisor. What is it that we would bring to the table that you either would spend lots of time on? Time and talent. Time and talent, right? So the value of an advisor is incredibly important. And again, folks, we say this all the time. We figure a vast majority of you are clients and we thank you for that and by the way don't keep us as a secret then there's people that are just kind of checking us out to get the information but you know what if you're working with somebody else what do you have to lose to check it out from a second source yeah for sure and that's why go through the process hit that get started button we'll help you through just another second look of what you own already and make sure that you are prepared for what's coming down the pike over the next nine months yeah if we think 2023 is like it's going to be definitely need some help for investment and retirement planning tax planning is state planning as a fee-only fiduciary the website annexwealth.com click that get started button it's your invitation take a couple of minutes click that get started button now is the time annex is ready see you back here next saturday 10 o'clock this is money talk the annex wealth management show 620 wtmj